28 years for on less than two felony, on your first felony. Years. 28 years on your first felony for less than two ounces of crack? Less than two ounces of crack, man. Wow. I'm Sterling, on your journey from a free man to incarceration, um, it's been nothing short of I'm going to be honest with you. When I first heard your story, because I've known you for majority of my life now, when I first heard your story, it almost sounded like something from a movie or a book. I couldn't believe Straight it. Up. And mm-hmm. um, you have an ebook coming out soon that pretty much tells your story and everything that you've been through up until this point. But I do want to jump right into it. Uh, one of the things that we talked about or we, we talked about in the past is the, the corruption corruption from both federal and uh local law enforcement could you uh touch on that law enforcement yeah 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 it was corruption committed against me you know by the head fbi agent that's stationed in cookville tennessee mm-hmm. you know i was staying in lebanon tennessee at the time but you know me being a part of the unknown vice lords the fbi agent was at a um drug investigation going against us or whatever. Mm. But, you know, they hadn't made any controlled purchases from me yet or anything like that. Uh-huh. But, yeah, so when the FBI agent messed around and found out that I actually had a recording of a Putnam County commissioner saying engaging in an illegal drug transaction, the FBI agent used the confidential informant, which was the leader over the whole town and the whole gang at the time. The FBI agent used him to trap me into the uh, drug conspiracy so they can discredit me and then had me illegally pulled over by local police officers so they can illegally take my cell phone with the recording of the commissioner doing the drug deal on that joint. And that yeah. video, do you still have that video of the commissioner doing an illegal drug deal? Yeah, I still have it, but it's not actually a video because mm-hmm. this is back in 2011, uh, April. So, you know, at that time, smartphones wasn't just like regularly had. Mm-hmm. You know, at that mm-hmm. time, it was more like Blackberries and, you know, the little Verizon flip phones and stuff like that. So I had a Verizon flip phone that only record audio for like 59 seconds or whatever. Okay, so the commissioner was engaged in an illegal drug deal. The federal agents involved, let me ask you, um, were some some of them are actually incarcerated now, is that correct? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, John Pat- Patrick Edwards um, of Mount Juliet, Tennessee, mm. but he was a Wilson County serve office lieutenant saying mm-hmm. but you know the FBI stepped in and created a task force uh-huh. so he became a task force officer for the FBI and he winded up committing corruption on another case while he was the co-case agent over my case mm-hmm. you know and, and people don't made it home and everything behind it but in regards to my case when we went to trial, they tried not to use anything that John Edwards had to do with to try to prevent us from saying anything to the jury about John Edwards being a part of my case. Uh, because they knew that if they had, your case would also be dismissed as well. Is that right? 
Yeah, yeah, most okay. definitely. And, and the jury, nine times out of ten, would have acquitted me of all the charges that was in the case because the I had already showed them that the confidential informant was a high-ranking gang member that was a convicted murderer. Mm-hmm. And he was just trying to rat to prevent from, you know, being incarcerated himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so basically up until this point, um, it's federal agents involved that are corrupt. It's the commissioner yep. involved. He's corrupt. Yep. Um, my next question is the court process, because you mentioned that the jury would have thrown it out. You actually defended yourself in court. Is that correct? Most definitely, most definitely. Yeah, I represented myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I killed 55 years with the charges that I beat. Mm-hmm. I beat through 924 C's, and at the time, they were stacking 924 C's. So, therefore, if you get found convicted of the first 924 C, that's going to be anywhere from 5 to 10 years, depending on whether you're a felon or whether you're brandishing a gun or, you know, whatever the charge is with the 924 C. Right. But every consecutive 924 C after that is 25 years apiece. And I had three 924 C. So that's five plus 25 plus 25. That's 55 years. And I actually beat that representing myself. You feel what I'm saying? Mm. In, a, in a 10 day trial. Mm. You know, the jury deliberated three days. Yeah. So a nine twenty a nine twenty four C that's uh what what is that exactly? I'm not familiar with that. Could you explain a nine twenty four C that that's um possession of a firearm in furtherance of a drug trafficking crime mm-hmm. or a crime of violence. Either one they charge you with. That's a nine twenty four C. And they, and they sentence so, you to three of those, and you beat out two of those. Is that what you're saying? Just defending yourself. Well, well they, they yeah they charged me with three. And I beat all three. Like I got a quit of two and got a hung jury on one. Mm-hmm. And the government did not want to see me again, you know what I'm saying, represent myself against them and, and trial again. So they just, and they had found me guilty of the drug conspiracy, mm-hmm. you know, and that was enough for them to be able to hit me with 10 to life, anywhere from 10 to life, have me facing that much time. So they were like, we just going to dismiss the uh, last 924C so we don't got to go back to trial for that. And deal with you know what I'm saying? So they felt like, yeah, they felt like they could hang me. Well, that that made them eligible to put a life sentence, hang a life sentence over my head, mm-hmm. the drug conspiracy. Mm-hmm. So they used the criminal case because I had put a $7 million lawsuit in against the head mm-hmm. agent and the local police officers mm-hmm. that illegally pulled me over mm-hmm. to illegally take my cell phone with the recording of the commissioner on it. Uh-huh. So they used my criminal case to hang a life sentence over my head. You know, even though I was a first time felon and this is my first bid, you know, my first federal sentence or whatever, but they hung a life sentence over my head to force me to drop this, uh, $7 million lawsuit against the head FBI agent and to waive all of my rights to appeal. So I won't be able to get back because they know they did a lot of bogus stuff against me while I represent myself. Because, like, I was actually doing a good job. I surprised the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. A young dude, 26, by the time I got sentenced, you know what I'm saying, 24 when I got locked up, mm-hmm. didn't have a GED, you know, no 
formal education or anything like that. They thought that I was just going to crash, but I went in on them. So they had to do a bunch of underhanded tricks to make sure that I failed in, in getting acquitted of the drug conspiracy. So they knew I was going to be able to make it back. That's why they forced me to waive all my rights to appeal. So that lawsuit that you that you had, it was, it was what was that for? It was basically for the illegal, them pulling you over illegally? Yeah, yeah, uh, illegal search and seizure, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, because like, uh, even the, I, I actually had a Tommy gun in the trunk mm-hmm. and, and, and a, a nine millimeter in the front console, me and my little partner, you know, was in a, in a Dodge Magnum and then they had, you know, them Dodge Magnum be having really dark tint when you put tint on it and stuff, so Soon as we got off of the uh, the bypass and coming into Lebanon, I, I was supposed to come and pick up the confidential informant, not knowing that he was an informant. Right. And we were going to go target practice shooting, which the FBI agent have recorded us before going target practice shooting. But they used the fact that me having the Tommy gun and all that stuff in the car with me, they tried to act like that I was about to go commit a murder for hire. And so they were acting like that they had to stop me from committing a murder for hire. But in reality, they already had a police officer sitting off the highway right there waiting on me to come around so they can pull me over, act like they're searching for guns, but really they were searching for the cell phone with the recording of the commissioner on it, mm-hmm. you know? And the white officer that was already ready waiting on me to get off the bypass uh, had, he kept turning his audio down, but it was an assistant officer, a black guy, Tim Kelly, that seen his fellow officer had somebody pulled over. He was just coming to help, uh-huh. you know, so he didn't know the roots that were going on, you know what I'm saying? So uh, Officer Kelly wasn't turning his audio down yet at first. So he was able to capture what the white officer was trying not to capture. So that's the way that I was able to, you know, they knew that I was going to win my lawsuit, mm-hmm. you know, because so, that's the way I was going to be able to prove that, man, y'all did not stop me to get no guns because I wasn't a felon. So it wasn't illegal for me to have those guns. I can go target practice shooting if I wanted to. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and they, they took two phones and two guns or whatever. And I had the third phone in my cargo shorts pocket. They really missed it, then because they had AR-15s behind the car, pointed at the car and stuff. Really, they wanted to shoot us up. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the detective that pulled up had told them to be ready for a gunfight. Oh. You feel me? So they were down. So that's why they missed the cell phone that was in my cargo shorts pocket. Because mm-hmm. I kept the battery out of it, and I always kept it on me to preserve the recording and to make sure that no one would ever try to like go to my house or something thinking that the recording was there because mm-hmm. anybody I talked to that knew that I had the recording, especially the informant, but me not knowing he was an informant, uh, I always told them that I kept the recording on me. I mean, the, the phone on me or whatever. Yeah. So he, that's how he knew that they were going to be able to pull me over and get the phone. Mm. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So by the time uh, they put me in back of the police car and they 
searched the uh, Dodge Magnum, found the, two, the Tommy gun, the nine, and two and two phones. The initial phone that I was on when I got out the car, because I was on the phone with the driver of the car to let them know, like, man, I got an extra phone on me, man, because I just had a feeling. You feel me? Because I wasn't doing nothing. They pulled us over for no reason. He already had his lights on, waiting on us to get off the bypass. Like, how did y'all know that to pull me over? And then before before all that, my lawyer had already called the FBI mm. and told them about me being in possession of a cell phone with a recording of a commissioner owner. Mm. And, they, and the FBI never checked back in with the lawyer because the lawyer felt like there was an agency that he needed to call saying about the corruption of the commissioner or whatever. And, and they never, yeah, they never tapped back in. So then when the lawyer told me that he had called the FBI, like, you know, I'm from the hood, so I was kind of uneasy about that. You uh, feel what I'm saying? Kind of like but, they're working together. I mean, I ain't going to say like they was actually working together. Mm-hmm. I was uneasy because, like, I'm, you know, we don't really like police like that. Right where I'm from, from the hood. Like, so I really don't want no police involvement or none of that stuff. But, you know, I was dealing with corruption of a government official, you feel what I'm saying? Because, like, the commissioner had me illegally arrested and everything back in April 2011, and the pullover was in June 2011. So it was, the corruption go a little deeper then what we're just talking about right now, we're just touching the surface. And so you, what was the actual, I want to go back to the commissioner having, um, and he's not even a commissioner anymore, right? He, he ended up being, he, uh, a lot of this was in, in an effort to build up their careers. Is that correct? And also not only that, I want you to walk them through the actual, um, what you got on camera from the commissioner with the, uh, illegal drugs. Yeah. Okay, well, um, I I got this friend. I had this friend. Her name was Stephanie Bow, mm. aka Dallas. She was out of Cookville, Tennessee. She was damn near like four hundred pounds. You know, saying a fat white lady. She only had two toes on each foot. The rest of them was surgically removed due to her diabetes complications. So, long story short, she was the mutual friend between me and the commissioner. Mm-hmm. She had been selling dope for the commissioner since, what, like 2009, 2010, crack or whatever. Mm-hmm. They had their own little secret crack operation going. So she would want it. Her, her, her boyfriend had died named John, and he was the enforcer you know, the person to make sure that she don't get robbed. So the, the dope is straight, make sure the money is straight. You feel me? Mm-hmm. But he wound up dying in 2010. So she needed a new enforcer because the commissioner felt like that she couldn't protect his drugs. Mm-hmm. She couldn't protect his money. So he stopped supplying her the drugs. But he was still coming and buying her prescription 7.5 Percocet pills. Thing because I guess he was addicted to them or whatever, whatever, you know, but that helped her pay her bills. So I was over her crib one day when he came over, When she, but she was already trying to get us to meet. 
because she wanted me to become her new enforcer. But I'm like, hell nah, because Cookville is predominantly what well, Putnam County is two, got 2% blacks out of a population of what, like, I think 65,000 residents. Mm-hmm. And this is back in um, 2011. Right. And I already knew a lot about corruption that was going on in Cookville. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to be in bed with no commissioner or none of that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Because them white folks, are, they'll hang you, you have to drive. So I told her, no. Nah. But she still had him under the impression that I was like, yeah. And he came over. And when he came, when I seen it was him, because I'm the one to answer the dope, because you know, her toes and shit fucked up. So when I seen it was him, I'm like, damn, man, I seen the government tags. I ain't seen him yet. He just bagged in in a Jeep. I'm like, Dallas, man, you got somebody with government tags coming over here? She's like, oh, yeah, that's my friend, the commissioner who I was telling you about, Jerry Ford. I'm like, man, what I tell you, man, I ain't trying to be a part of no bullshit like that. She said that he just was coming over to buy some pills. So, boom, he, I let him in. He come in, he sit down, pop it off like, uh, Dallas told me a lot about you. You know, they call me real. As you know, you know they call me a little real. So she, he was like, Dallas told me a lot about you, real. Uh, I'm willing to trust you, but if you screw me, I got law enforcement in Lebanon, Tennessee, and that'll take care of you for me. So I'm hot that she even told the dude that I was dealing, uh, dwelling in Lebanon, Tennessee. I go to the kitchen, light up a cigarette and shit, and try to calm down. But and, and it's a little small basement house, so from the kitchen I can see in the living room, you know, literally right there. So he passed her two plastic bags and then, you know what I'm saying, he passed her $200 or whatever. I seen the money he passed her. She started counting out the pills or whatever. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to record this pill transaction so I can at least have proof of this day and I have proof of me, her, and his acquaintance at the same time and him doing something illegal in front of me with no curse. So boom, I walked in the living room and I pressed record on the little phone that only record 59 seconds. And I was talking with him back and forth, like, you know, about the pills and the pills that he's going to buy. And, you know, Dallas, whether she's selling all of them to him or somebody else that's coming. But boom, that's how the recording was made. Gotcha. And then the way that I went to jail, the way he got me sent to jail is the next day, they were April the 5th, the next day, April the 6th, around 11, some 1130 or whatever. I was so pissed off with Dallas, went to this white guy named James Lohow. So when I arrived at James Lohow, I wasn't even in the crib, in the trailer for like 10 minutes. The police showed up and I knew that Dallas had called the commissioner and told him that I took his work. And she knew that I didn't know that many people down there. Mm-hmm. So they ain't, you know, they ain't have to look for me real hard or whatever. And uh, when the police act like that they bumped into a car, acting like there was a neighbor, and they bumped into a car that was in the parking lot that fit the description of my car. And when we opened the door, they ran up in there. So it was me and five other people in there three white girls and two white dudes. Uh, James is a white guy. That's who owns the trailer. And, you know, Robert Moore. 
But long story short, they searched me three times before they even acknowledged the other people that was in the living room. Mm-hmm. You feel me? I had the commissioner dope in my box of briefs, you know what I'm saying? So they didn't find nothing on me. They went to the back and act like they found some dope or whatever. And police put me in the in the car or whatever, and they let everybody go except me, the owner of the house, and the girl that had a warrant. So I was in the backseat of the police car. He hadn't even called in, and he had me. He was driving on a dark-ass back road, and he stopped. And he was like, man, you give me a bigger drug supply, I'll let you go right now. So I'm like, y'all ain't found nothing on me, man. What the hell make you think that I know anything about a bigger drug supply? And this is you the arresting officer, or is, it, or is it the commissioner that's yep. telling you this? Okay. Nah, this this the arresting officer. You know? And he hadn't even called in and he had me. But he thought that he, he was trying to check and see if I was going to blow the whistle on the commissioner right then. So if I would have blew the whistle on the commissioner, I would have came up missing right then with no doubt in my mind. Yeah. So, boom, I'm, they, I told him, man, I don't know nothing about no bigger drug supply, this and that and this. So that's when he finally called in. Man, I got one en route to the precinct. So that's when we made it to the precinct. But that's how I knew the commissioner had symptoms. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so by that time, it had them been past 12 o'clock, 12 a.m. So, you know, I was it, it seemed like I'm a, I was arrested on the 7th, but really it was the night of the 6th. But on the 10th, Dallas had called me and told me that I wasn't welcome to a crib no more and that the commissioner sick his dogs on me, that he was the one that sent the police to get me. So that's how I know the commissioner was involved with having me arrested and shit. And these wasn't, okay, so I want to get to the, because that was something separate involving the commissioner, but that's yep. not actually what you're incarcerated for now, is it? Nope. Okay, nope. so... Uh, and a lot of people aren't familiar with this term. I actually did a deep dive myself last night, and I've I've studied on it. It's uh, ghost dope. Right, right. So for the people listening, can you explain ghost dope to them and how that involves you in your case? All right. And, and, and that's a very good question, man. I appreciate that question because the awareness of ghost dope needs to be spread. What ghost dope is, is drugs that don't really exist, but it's drugs that you're sentenced to in a federal case. And that's where you get your time. And the way that they come up with the amount of the drugs is from a confidential informant or a government witness testimony Mm -hmm. saying that you had those drugs. So let me give you a for instance. At my trial, the confidential informant testified that I sold anywhere from 14 to 28 grams of crack three days a week mm-hmm. for seven years. So the government added 28 grams, uh, I guess, times three, you know what I'm saying, three days a week. Mm-hmm. And they only use four years of that seven-year alleged conduct. You know what I'm saying? And they said that they came up with a conservative estimate of uh, 8.4 kilos of crack cocaine. So I was only involved in three controlled drug purchases by the confidential informant. You know, since they couldn't buy dope for me because, you know, they knew that I was a low-level 
petty drug dealers that sold rocks to crackheads every now and then to get by, and not even often. Mm-hmm. Uh, they knew they couldn't buy no dope from me, so they used the confidential informant, the FBI agent, who who I was suing, saying during the investigation he had the confidential informant to receive like four to six hundred dollars from him, the FBI, mm-hmm. to bring to me to have me the middleman purchase a half an ounce or an ounce of crack from a dope boy. And so that's the way that they got me into this conspiracy. So basically what they did was um, took the word of somebody else that said that you sold X amount of drugs over the course of this amount of years. And what they did right. was said, okay, we he told, this informant told us that he sold this amount of drugs in a week. So what we'll do is we know he's been doing this based off the informant for the past four years. So we'll multiply that amount a week times however many weeks is in four years. And they basically charge you with that much dope. So they never caught you with no any kilos or anything like that. But they were able to charge you based off the words of someone else. Wow. Based off the word, uh, just straight word of mouth, man. And that is completely wrong because, like I told you, the confidential informant had me the middleman three drug com- purchases in this case. And that's what locked me in the conspiracy. So if you add up the amount of drugs that I was actually involved in for real, it come out to be 43.9 grams of crack. That's less than two ounces of crack. And but how many years did they the end up giving you that for that? 28 years, man. 28 years for less than two on your first felony. 28 years on your first felony for less than two ounces of crack? Less than two ounces of crack, man. Wow. They just threw away the key on me, man. You know what I'm saying? But see, this is the thing, though. This, this This is why Ghost Dope is so wrong because that's a machine, that's a mechanism that they using to be able to justify giving me that amount of time. But really, they giving me that amount of time because I would not snitch. I would not be a, a become a cooperating witness against my co-defendants and stuff. So it's, it's two reasons, because I wouldn't snitch and because I was trying to expose the corruption of the commissioner by filing the lawsuits against the FBI agent and all that. So, you know what I'm saying? That the government, like, man, this man is completely against us. How are we going to lock him up and throw away the key? Uh, we going to use this ghost dope mechanism. They've been doing it for years. Yeah. Ain't nobody been done, did nothing about it. Congress, nobody. So they can do anybody like this, man. Uh, it, it, the reason what makes your situation so even that much worse is because they kind of coerced the informant to get you involved in these drug deals anyway so they can say okay he was involved in these let's get the informant to get him involved in these three consecutive drug deals so we can say he sold x amount of drugs in one week and we can pin this on him for another four years by this exact same informant who we got to get him involved in these drug deals anyway yeah that's that's exactly and they took 28 years of your life they want to take 28 years. years of your life for this. Yeah. 
I don't serve in October of two two thousand and twenty three this year. It'll be twelve years that I've served, and that's nuts. Just like you said, but see that's that's what's so crazy. All of my control purchases of those two ounces, less than two ounces that I'm really responsible for, all of those control purchases came after the FBI agent found out through my lawyer that I possessed that recording of that third district Putnam County Commission, the white government official. So when he, I made the recording in April, the the FBI agent used the informant to start targeting me specifically in in, in, in drug leader controlled purchases. What a drug leader means, the FBI agent specifically talking on the recorder of the confidential informant, his body cam and stuff, saying that well, we sending CI Sims to make a half ounce purchase of crack cocaine from Sterling River begin leader. Boom, then they let him go off to try to make the controlled purchase against me or whatever. They sent that man on May 16th. You know, so they found out April 5th, 2011 is when I made the recording. Around April 13th, 2011 is when the the, the um, attorney notified the FBI about my possession of the recording. May 16th, now they targeting me specifically. Boom. They they make that middleman purchase from me May 16th. May 18th, two days later, he had an informant to take me to go target practice shooting with the Tommy gun. So now they done recorded me with the Tommy gun to show that it, the Tommy gun exists. Just but paint really a picture they, like you this dangerous guy type of thing. Yeah, like yeah. I'm this dangerous guy. Yeah. But also... They wanted to, they was prepping to pull me over. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I had the Tommy gun when they pulled me over. So they was already prepping for that. You feel me? Uh-huh. So the, then, boom, May 24th, they had the informant to do a, a second control purchase against me, saying using me as a middleman, basically. And then, and then, but really, on that purchase, the informant gave me the dope that he came back and bought himself because he was used the excuse that he was on probation. So he couldn't really touch the dope. So he was like, man, I'm finna go holler at this, uh, go make this, this, this serve or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But I need you to hold the, the work man, and try to get it off or whatever. But when I get my customers, I'm gonna come to you and I'm gonna get the work. And so the, his customer really was the FBI. So what he did, he left and went and got fitted in audio video gear. And then he came back with the FBI recordings on and he bought the dope from me. And, and, and I proved that to the jury represent myself. So that's one of the dope charges that I got acquitted for too. But long story short, the last drug purchase was June 2nd. 2011, mm. three days before the June 5th pullover. So when they had me the middleman, that last purchase right there, the FBI agent felt like they had enough drug buys now to legitimately lock me in this bogus drug conspiracy. So then, boom, after that, that's when they sent the informant to 
or uh, uh, how me illegally pulled over, you know, set me up so the lo- local police could pull me over and illegally take my cell phone with the recording of the commission on me. Which I got the dash cam footage of that stuff too, and that's gonna be a part of the ebook that's gonna come out. That the real nigga Pooh Shiesty man is doing the introduction on. You know what I'm saying? So the world can actually see and hear my story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make sure. Um, and you are you already have a book out right now? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I already have a book out on Amazon right now called Love, Corruption, and the Criminal in Just Us System. Mm-hmm. And in that book, it actually details my life from when I was born all the way to the time of me being incarcerated on this case, you know what I'm saying, and me representing myself and all that stuff. Yeah, and if you're listening right now, you can get... Um Get that book. It'll be available. Uh, it's available on Amazon, but I also had a description in my, uh, the link in my description on, on YouTube and anywhere you're listening to this. Most but definitely. Listen, I appreciate this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And this is, this, this won't be the end. We'll be sure to talk more about this. I just want to make sure I put the points, the high points out there because there's so much more to this story that we didn't yeah. get a chance to yeah. uh, speak to now. But, um, yeah, it's a lot of people involved in this, uh, corrupt people who've been proven to be corrupt because they're incarcerated right now. And it seems like you're the only person that took the bad deal out of all of this corruption. And I just want to say, you know, on the Chop by T podcast, I'll be sure to do everything that I can to put the word out and bring awareness to this. Uh, hopefully we can get something going from this. We'll definitely be in contact and I'll get everything together for you. Listen, this is the Child by T podcast where we'll get real, raw, authentic conversations. Until next time.